Good morning. Can you hear me? You can hear me now. Okay, good. Um, is, I was asked to, to share a message with you this morning. And the one I'm, that's always been on my heart, the one that I, I think about often because I remember where I was and where I am now and where I'm going. And that is, um, I, I'm gonna, I want to share my testimony with you is what I want to do. But let's go ahead and open in prayer. Precious Father, we come before you and thank you for an opportunity to share the truth, your truth, and the power of your Spirit to change lives and change hearts. And we thank you for that. And uh, as we look at your Word, um, that's where we know the power's at. The power's in the Word. The Word changes. You tell us in Isaiah 55, 11, so shall my Word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but shall accomplish the purpose for which I have sent it. And so we, we claim that. That's a verse that, that the Gideons, when they placed Bibles in hotels and motels and doctor's offices and on campuses, they claim that verse, that God's Word would not return void. And so we thank you for that, and we thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so we need to go back to kind of the beginning. I was... Uh, the reason I'm going to share my testimony is, some of you have heard it, but um, it's the most important tool you have for changing the people around you, for the people to see that Jesus is real. All right, They see a changed life, they know, how did that happen? How was he able when he was this, and now he's this? And so, started off, I was raised in a Christian home, um, my dad and mom, we, they moved to a farm here in DeWitt. They didn't want us to be raised in town like they were. They wanted us to be raised on a farm. And so we went to church. When the doors were open, we were there. My dad was a Sunday school teacher. He worked on the railroad and farmed as well. Um, I still run into people um, that remember dad as their Sunday school teacher. Uh, it made quite an impression on kids. Uh, they, uh, he was about 6'4", pretty big guy, so they said, yeah, nobody goofed off in his Sunday school class. Uh, I don't know, nobody goofed off at home either, I can tell you that. So, but anyhow, um, uh, I, was, I knew my Bible. Every Saturday night, we'd get ready for church, and Dad would have us sit down and listen to the Bible lesson, because he wasn't always there. He was gone most of the time working. Um, and so I knew my Bible, and, I, and we have those Bible games I could race right through and I could be the first one to find the verse or the first one to find what, he, what they were asking. Uh, and then when moved along into high school and then in, once I, uh, I was confirmed and then I moved into high school, I remember being excited about being confirmed because now my name was on the church rolls. I was now officially a member of the church. And I didn't know what that all meant. I didn't know if that meant that, you know, I, I was assuming that it meant that I was saved, is what I was assuming. And I taught Sunday school. In high school, I taught junior high Sunday school. Uh, classes like 20, 30 kids, you know. Biggest thing was keeping them in line, keeping them from, from poking one another and behaving. Um, and then uh, I remember uh, I graduated 
Uh, Uncle Sam had a job for me, and uh, it was, came with pay, came with travel expenses covered, all of that stuff. So I ended up in Vietnam, but I remember uh, on the plane, I remember my dad, when I first went to, when I went to leave, he goes, now remember, no greater gift can a man give for his, uh, than his life for another man. So I'm thinking, right, that if I die saving somebody, I'm going to heaven. That's a flawed premise, by the way. That's not true. Uh, otherwise, there's another way to heaven, and Jesus didn't need to come and die. So I thought, okay. And so I, that wasn't the reason I did the crazy things that I did and volunteered for the stuff that I volunteered for. I did that because I thought if I'm a guy out there stranded on a fire base and it's being overrun, I would want somebody to come get me. So <clears throat> it was no question. I mean, um, it's not just for the military. Any one of you in here would, would, if you saw something happening, you would risk your life to save that other person. It's just how I believe God has wired most of us. So then I came back and uh, married uh, the love of my life and the girl I dated in high school. It took about two or three years just to ask her to, to go on a date. But anyhow, we got married and we had two little kids and we were going... Um, to the same church that I was confirmed and you know and baptized in, uh, and I still didn't know Jesus. Um, so then we had a new pastor came in, and I watched. He got up in front and, and he introduced himself, and he was very candid, very open, and he had his kids share their testimony. <clears throat> and I remember thinking, well, I actually got very mad. I'm in the back of the church. I remember the nursery. I remember me walking out and pacing and being upset because who are these people to get up and brag about what God is doing for them? And I was hot. I remember driving home and telling Connie, and she does put up a lot, uh, telling her that, you know, what is the deal here? I mean, what are these people? And I, later on, I figured it out. The reason I was so upset with those people sharing their testimony is because I didn't have one. I didn't know that at the time. And so then, I remember going to a Christian concert, and uh, I really liked the music, and I always have from a family a lot of music. And I remember at the concert, these people were raising their hands as they were singing. And again, because my heart wasn't right, I was going, what are they doing? Showing off? Raising their hands? Besides, I can't see, you know, but anyhow, <laughs> I was just, I was, unre I was very judgmental. Uh, I was re unreasonable. If it didn't fit into the little box I thought you should fit into, then there was something wrong. And it wasn't, you know, and it couldn't be me. Well, then this, this pastor decided, because of the mandate from the Synod, to go ahead and start Kennedy Evangelism Explosion. So that is where you go out. How many are familiar with that? Wow. Okay, well, anyhow, we need to do that. But Kennedy Evangelism Explosion changed a lot of churches. It divided some churches as it did ours. But what it was is you would go to the... Uh, one man would train two. So the first two guys that got trained, the pastor trained them, they went out to the congregation, they went to families and they asked these questions. If you were to die tonight, do you know for sure you would go to heaven... And if you were to die tonight and come before God, and God goes, by the way, why should I let you into my kingdom? 
what would you say? And I didn't have an answer. Mine was, I hope I'm good enough. I mean, I teach Sunday school. I'm vice chairman of a church of 1,500 at age 27. I was a religious young man up here, right here. And so, it's, you know, believing that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins is the same thing <clears throat> excuse me, as believing that George Washington is the first president of the United States. It doesn't save you. Believing the history doesn't save you. And so, it's, I still wasn't getting it. And I remember going into these training sessions, and they would sign us, and we would go out and ask people in the congregation, one couple a night or one household a night, and ask those questions and then share the, the Roman road or the gospel. And I, didn't, I don't think we ran into anybody that would say, yes, I know for sure. I mean, I knew of three people in the church that would say they knew for sure. My dad, my mom, and Ethel Shanzi, who knew Jesus and made no uncertain terms about it. I thought, How do they know that? And so I remember driving home <clears throat> that evening. Excuse me. And thinking, I remember it was raining. I don't remember the hour of the day or anything. I just remember it was dark. It was raining. I thought, Jesus, if I've never asked you to come in and sit on the throne of my heart, I need to do that. And I remember asking him, come in. So I didn't know what this all means. I didn't know what that looks like. Um, all I know that is after that, I couldn't put the Bible down. I remember sitting in bed with Connie and we'd be reading. And I said, Read, listen to this. And I'd be reading in the Bible. I'd be reading in Timothy and Titus. And I'd, I just couldn't get enough of the Word. And my life has stayed that way. It's never changed. Um, so here I was at age 39. I think I got it narrowed down to that time period. 39 years old, two little kids, a business, a farm operation, and I had to move a cubit to salvation. Well, yeah, but I only had two at that time. I'm sorry. All right. Two at that time, Rachel. All right. My daughter's I got four kids, I know, but I only had two at that time. Well, when you get family, anything. So, um, came later. Is that good? We're good. All right, um, now you threw off my train of thinking. <laughs> Where was I? Okay. Um, so we, uh, boy, Rachel, you really missed it. <laughs> What's it? I'm trying. Um, I lived it, I should remember it. Uh, so anyhow, um, we came, I remember we, uh, okay, couldn't, quit, couldn't put the book, could not put the book down. And from there it just grew. We got involved in Bible studies. I remember the first person that said to Bible, we were going to Bible study, and they said, well, how often do you want to meet? And I, I once a month. <laughs> you can't, you can't grow eating once a month. And so he said, how about every week? And I thought, every week? Are you kidding me? And so we met every week. I got outvoted. We met every week. And then he wanted to incorporate scripture memory. Like, really? 
And so we incorporated scripture memory. I started putting God's word. I know, cubit, 18 inches, right? And I remember listening to a guy on Cowboy Church. He says, everybody's a cubit away from salvation. You've got to move him from here, and you've got to put him on the throne of your heart, or your life will not change. And not only do you let him on the throne of your heart, you put him there and you leave him there so that he can now call the shots. He can now direct your paths. He can now give you the words that you need to share in love, in respect, with those around you of what Jesus did for you. And so it's, it's been a, we went through navigators a couple times, 2-7 training. We, we did a lot of things. But the point of it is, ever since that moment, I had to move him from here. Every one of you have to do the same. Just knowing what Jesus did does not save you. You have to put him on the throne of your heart. And so then we got involved uh, in another study, uh, How to Share Jesus Without Fear. You guys should have that little piece of paper. It should have been handed out with the bulletin. Okay. And everybody's got that, and everybody's got their notes. I know some of you guys do take notes. And so... I remember a group of, I was talking to a group of men, and there was probably 20, 30 of them, and we were talking about sharing Jesus. And I said, now, why do you think it is we don't share Jesus on a regular basis? And they were given, well, we're not like you. You know, you can talk to anybody about anything, and, you know, you make it look easy, and you know your verses, and you make, you know, and this, I said, you know what I think? I said, I, re I really believe the reason we don't share the gospel more is because we, we don't believe it's true. Of course, I got a little pushback on that. Uh, they were just a little unhappy with me making that statement. But if you had the cure to world peace, if you could cause the Middle East to stop all bombing, all of the strife that goes on, if you had the cure to breast cancer, if you had the cure to cancer in general, would you keep that to yourself? What would it take for you to not share that. So you have to think about in your life, every one of us has to, we only get one hill to die on. So you have to pick your hill very carefully. And in men's groups, we keep it down because we're several different denominations, we keep it down to there's only one hill worth dying on. That's Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And then what are you going to do with that? Is it, is, it, is, it a, is it powerful enough when it comes to sit on your throne of your heart? Is it enough to change you? Because you stop and think about the early church. Here's 12 men, no Bible degree. And what did the people say? Well, they took note that they, these disciples had spent time with the Nazarene, with Jesus. And they took note of that. That's why these guys are like that. Because they're spending time with this Jesus of Nazareth. And the early church, 12 men, then I think on Pentecost was 120 or 150, received the Holy Spirit, and then that church started. And then the next day or that next morning, there was three to 5,000 people came to know Christ by the preaching or the sharing of the Word. Okay? Your testimony and my testimony are powerful because they can't argue with that. I was this, 
now I'm this. But to reaffirm that as to that, what changes that person, uh, I think it says in John 6.44, he said, Jesus speaking, he says, no one can come to me unless the one who sent me calls them. Unless the Father who sent me calls them. So every one of us, God orchestrates a path and a process to bring us to His Son. The Father brings us to the Son. We have to make a choice at that point. Do we want the Son or don't we? Is he, are we going to give Him charge and set Him on the throne of our heart or are we not? That's our choice. It's always a choice. I love the message that Scott shared uh, a couple weeks ago on all this always two choices. We get those choices all the time. So, um, when, you, when you think about sharing the gospel, I want you to understand that your testimony of before and after, part of the Navigators was we would write out everything about our life, what we were, what we did, what we said, and then what, what it was that changed us, how we became, how we invited Christ into our heart, and that what our life was like afterwards. And then we'd have a, uh, an exhaust, you know, a ten, a one that you're going to share when you're sitting having supper, one that you're going to share at a coffee table when you're having lunch with somebody, uh, and then there's the elevator version, which you didn't get this morning, okay? You definitely got the coffee table, supper, all evening one, all right? And so the one, other one is very brief. I was this, Jesus did this, and now I am this. And the proof, here's the deal. The proof that this is true, the proof that this can change lives, is you and me. I can lead people to read this, uh, lead, read the Scripture and read the book, but if they don't see there's evidence that this Word has power, they're not going to want it. Or they're not going to say, ah, it's just another thing i got to do, and for what end? But when they see your changed life, when they see how you don't talk about other people, when they see how you don't slander people that are not present in the conversation, when they see how you don't laugh at certain jokes, when they see how you don't, um, that you're not a Eeyore, which I get accused of every now and then, uh, but you're joyful in affliction. The, the verses that were read this morning, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Faithful in prayer, Craig did an awesome job on prayer. And without it, and why don't we pray? Craig brought that question up. Why don't we pray? Because we don't think it works. Or we'd pray more. Or we'd be praying continuously if we truly believed that prayer was powerful to change lives and our lives. Okay? So, there's five diagnostic questions. And then they're at the top of your page. It says... Uh, do you have any kind of spiritual beliefs? And I've asked these questions, and you, you're just amazed at some of the answers you get. But the, most people will say yes. Because I, I, that's the new, spirituality is the new religion. I believe uh, that there's good, and there's good spirit, and, and I'm just going to be good. And then you ask them, to you who is Jesus? Uh, most people will say prophet. Uh, most people would say a good guy. Because most people aren't from where we came from. Most people don't even understand, have never heard the name Jesus other than in foul language. All right? They've never read the Bible. They've never been taught. They've never been through Sunday school. They don't have a basis to come back to 
or to build on. They're hearing it for the first time, just like the early church. When the early disciples and people that came to know Jesus went out into all the Mediterranean, the whole Roman Empire, and what did they share? They didn't have a New Testament. Not all of them were Jews. A lot of them were Gentiles. So they didn't even have the Torah and the training in the Old Testament. All they could say was, I was this, and Jesus took over. I gave him control of my heart, and now I'm this. And that changed the known Roman Empire and turned it from an empire of ruthlessness and brutality to the Holy Roman Empire. And of course, then man got involved and mucked it up and... Uh, put all kinds of rules and laws, and, and inevitably uh, it goes south when that happens. So to you, who is Jesus? The next question, do you believe there's a heaven and a hell? And I have a lot of people that say, uh, I like heaven, I don't believe there's a hell. I don't think I believe in there's a heaven and a hell. Well, really, if you were to die right now, where do you think you'd go? Heaven. Wait, you just told me you didn't believe in heaven and hell. But if you were to die, you're going to heaven. How do you know that? So the question is, why do you say that? Okay. And what I've found when I do this, I do it as, you know, I've always been interested. Could you tell me a little bit about, do you have any spiritual beliefs? I've always wondered, I'm interested in that. You don't come at them, first of all, when we share the gospel, what is it? It's one beggar at the foot of the cross, sharing with another beggar. That's what it is. And if we share from here to here, nothing's happening. That's judgment. That's, I'm better than you. Nobody here in this room is better than another person in this room. We are all beggars at the foot of the cross, and Jesus Christ is the one who deserves to be on the throne, and that's who we worship. So when we share this, we show, hey, have you seen? Did you, you know, Jesus told me this and look what happened and now I, now I don't have that. Now I'm not drawn to that addiction. Now I'm not drawn to this foul language always all the time, saying these words I shouldn't say, using God's name in vain. And I quit slandering people that aren't present in my presence. And that's, a, that's a tough one. And, but the Holy Spirit, here's the beauty when you receive Jesus Christ and you set Him on the throne of your heart, the Holy Spirit comes to live in you. It didn't do that in the Old Testament. Jesus said, I want you to remain in Galilee because I'm sending a helper, a paraclete, who will live in you and help you and bring to mind everything I have taught you and remind you of my commands. Pray continuously. You know, the Ten Commandments. If you just did the Ten, you wouldn't need the other 600 laws. So you ask that, and then you go, okay, so if you were to die right now, where do you think you would go? You, if they, whatever the answer, if they say heaven, you ask why. And here's the question I love the most. If what you believe were not true, would you want to know? And if they say no, you say, hey, man, have a great day. Go on, just, you know, go as you were before. I have, I'm not going to change that. But if they say, yeah, if what I believe were not true, I think I would want to know. Then you open your Bible. Okay, now this is, the, the, the good part about this is a lot of times we carry these small Gideon New Testaments. It's not required, but it is important if you want. 
Because what this, how to share Jesus without fear shows you is that the Word changes them, not you, not me. So you open your Bible to Romans 3.23, and you turn it to them, and you say, read me Romans 3.23 out loud. Why? So you make sure they're reading the right verse. For one thing, because one guy started reading, I'm going, that's not Romans 3.23. And so he found it, and then he read it, and faith, what's it say in Romans 10.17? Faith comes by hearing the message, and the message is the words of Christ. So faith comes by hearing the words of Christ, not the words of Brian, not the words of Matt, not the words of Marcia. It's, it's the faith cometh by hearing the words of Christ. So they read Romans 3.23, and what does it say? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Okay? So when you look, turn it to them to read it, written towards you at the top of the margin of your Bible is the next verse. You don't have to even memorize these verses. Okay? It's written towards you. Romans 6.23 for the way of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. What does that verse say to you? And here's the hard part in all of this. It is for me, and you, can know, you know why. But anyhow, when you ask that question, you can't talk. I mean, I'm biting my lip, you know. Because I want to add, when they don't say it, or the way I, I know they should understand it, I want to add to it. So if they read that verse and they say, well, I don't get it. Would you please read that verse out loud again? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing the message, and the message is the words of Christ. And so they read it again out loud, and you have them keep doing that until they go, I guess the wages of sin is death. So that's how it works. You just keep going down these other verses, and uh, you got got John 3.3, 3, uh, you must be born again. You guys remember Jesus with Nicodemus. But see, remember that the people that are, that are reading that you're handing this to, the person you're sharing with, has never read these words. Most of them have never heard these words. And yet they're hearing them for the first time. So who's at work here when you're sharing? Who's at work? What? You have the Spirit. The Holy Spirit's doing the work. The, the son's words, and who does the drawing? The father. So you are not on the hook for this, okay? So when the, the point of how to share Jesus without fear is when you share these things and they say, you know, I don't think I want any of this. You're infringing on my freedom and I don't think I want this. Then you say, have a great day. Who'd they reject? Jesus. They didn't reject you. They rejected the word, which is Christ. And if they accept Jesus, who gets the credit? The Father who drew him to his Son with the power of the Holy Spirit. And so you think about this, and then I, I, a lot about these words of prayer. Uh, there's, and of course, follow-up is important. How many of you guys, when you meet somebody, and you say, how many, when you, well, how many actually stop and listen when you say, how you doing? Right? You're walking down the street and you walk into a store, you go, hey man, how's it going? And you just keep walking. When you ask that question, we probably should stop and turn and look them in the eye and say, bye, how are you doing? 
I went in the store the other day at a place to get some parts, and I said to the guy, I said, hey, man, how you doing? He said, not good. And it doesn't look like I'm going to be doing good for a while. And I said, what happened? He said, my son, who came, I, I'm divorced 20 years ago. My son came back to live with me a couple years ago. He struggled with social anxiety, and he said, I came home from work, and he was dead in the chair, 27 years old. And this guy was broke. Now, he knew he needed help. He knew, I think he believed that God was maybe the, where he had to turn. But at that point in time, you pray with him. Can I pray for you? How many have ever been with somebody and asked if you can pray for them? Okay, we're getting better. We're getting better. That's good. Because, see, it's not solicited, but you're saying you're important enough for me to take time to pray for you. And I've started to pray for him right there. Yeah, I'll pray for you. How many have told somebody you're going to pray for him? You see him a week later and you haven't prayed for him? Come on, I'm the only one. Thank you. There's at least two of you now. So, but I've done that. I've said to people, you know, man, I, and I mean it when I say it, but then I don't do it. Because life gets busy. And then I see him and I'm embarrassed and I'm thinking, well, do I say a quick prayer now so I can say I've been praying for you? How are you doing? You know how it goes. So, and usually that just doesn't, I know that's not right, so I don't do it. But, okay. So, when it comes to sharing the gospel, the first step is you have to invite Jesus into your heart. If you haven't done that, you're not going to share it because it's not yours to give away. So you need to ask yourself, have I asked Jesus to come into my heart? I love this verse in Philemon. It says, I pray, now there's no chapters in Philemon, it's just one letter, Paul to Philemon. He goes, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing you have in Christ Jesus. How's that happen? How does sharing your faith give you a full understanding of everything you have in Christ Jesus? Because when you say it out loud to somebody, this is what I believe, and this is why I believe it, and my life shows it, because this is what I was and this is what I am now, you've just said it out loud. And you've confirmed what you truly believe. So one of the reasons, not all, but one of the reasons you share is so that you have a better understanding. I, like today, okay? Uh, you guys, when we come in and we hear a message, and I know like, Greg would say it and Scott would say it. When we get the privilege of coming up here and sharing a message with you, we're the ones who are blessed. Because we've gone through the Scriptures, we've gone through the Word, we've prayed about it, and we get enlightened. And when I share it verbally with you, oops, when I share this verbally with you, I am reaffirming what I truly believe in my heart, and that is Jesus Christ is King and Lord. And the things on prayer, I mean... Think about this. I'm, I'm going to cut it off. My wife's going like this. Um, I love her. Yeah. And so we get, uh, have no anxiety about anything. Right? Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Have no anxiety about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds. Okay. 
Have no anxiety about anything. Do not worry. That is a sin. Do not worry. Have no anxiety. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Now wait. So am I thanking God for the reason that I'm praying and bringing a petition to Him? So what's it say in James? These two mesh together in my, the other day when I was thinking about this. I've memorized years ago in the 1980s when farming was so much fun. Uh, James chapter 1, verses 2 to 5, it says, Count it pure joy, my brothers. Paul speaking. Count it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work to, so that you might be mature and complete and not lacking in anything. If any of you lacks wisdom let, him, wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt. Because he who doubts is like a wave of sea blown and tossed by the wind. So this kind of pure joy whenever you face trial, how many are there? Wow, we got one hand. You're the only one. Okay. We count up your joy because the question is, how many in here, in this group, have ever really grown without trial in your spiritual walk? Because the trial brings you to the foot of the cross going, Jesus, I need help. I need you. And it should be the first place we go, but it's usually as a second thought, or I, I, I think I better pray now. I tried everything else. Count up your joy whenever you face trials. And, and Philippians starts off prayer and petition with thanksgiving. So they're thanking in that Philippians, they're thanking God for the trial because it's forcing them to pray. And I would hope that we don't have to wait to have things falling around, down around our ears before we go ahead and pray. So um, let's end with that. I mean, I can go on. And on. So you have those. Uh, Craig mentioned these cards. I have a bunch of these if you need them. It talks about broken people and proud people. And I remember the first time I picked this up and looked at it, I said, I got somebody that really needs this. And then the Holy Spirit said, No, no, I think you need this. And so um, it's very powerful, very powerful. And if we want one, I've got plenty to give away. I think our Sunday school class upstairs has given up, everybody's got one there. But if you need one or would like one, I'll gladly give one to you. So let us close. Precious Father, we thank you. We thank you that you loved us first. You came and died for us. That your fa our Father in heaven, which is your Father, draws us to you. And when, that, when we make that conscious decision, then the Holy Spirit comes to live in our hearts and remind us of what Jesus did for us and is doing for us and will do for us. And He has given us eternal life. This life here, Lord, is a blip on the radar screen. It's just a short period of time. But forever and ever, as we sing in the praise songs, forever and ever, we will be with You in paradise. Or, if we choose not, then we have a choice. And location is everything. And so, Lord, we thank You for Your Son, for the Holy Spirit, and for loving us first and drawing us to You. And all God's people said,